0: First Peter chapter number one, um, and if you would stand with me for the reading of God's word, it's just something that I have developed. Um, I'm very thankful for the Word of God. I believe it is, is the absolute truth and it is exactly what the world needs to understand their need for a savior. but more importantly, it's what the Christian needs to know. Really, have you ever wondered why things are going the way they are in my life? Why are things moving in this direction? Uh, young people often ask, why are my parents this way? Why is my church this way? There's a lot of whys in our life. And uh, I love the book of First Peter because Peter was one of those guys who was not afraid to speak his mind. I'm a person who actually says things and then sometimes go, I wish I probably shouldn't have said that. But I love it because Peter changed and it wasn't because... Uh, of something magnificent he did. He really explains to us in the book of 1 Peter what changed him. And it's amazing because you don't really see that he says, well, this is what changed me. You just see it in the way that he teaches the Word of God here to people who obviously need to understand the time that they live in and what's going on in their life. So 1 uh, Peter chapter number 1, verse number 1 says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. This morning I want to speak to you about a a subject that the Lord really changed my heart concerning, and and it's very simple. I'm sorry to say I'm a very simple preacher. It's very simple. It's simply this. We have a lively hope. Amen. This is not something we do out of habit. This is not something we are created to be drones of and just do as uh, however the, our bidding is mindlessly. This life that we live, this calling that we have through Jesus Christ unto salvation is lively, it's real. One of the things that I think has discouraged our churches and people today is that preachers aren't stirred up about that this is real. This isn't just something we do because we've always done it or because we're Baptist. We do it because Jesus Christ is alive. And He's on the right hand of the Father right now making intercession for us. And I'm very thankful for that. Let's look at that this morning. Heavenly Father... Thank you so much for your word and these good people of Grace Baptist here in Sydney and Brother Jim, his faithfulness to stay, his family. God, what a blessing to see his son playing the piano today. Reminded me of my own son. What a great opportunity we have to serve a living, risen Savior. God, I pray today that the, the idea would be conveyed... That what we do in you and, and through the power of the Holy Spirit and the work you do in us is because Jesus Christ is alive and this is real. This is something that we should grab a hold of and we should live according to because it's a lively hope that you've given us. I pray today as we look into your word that by the power of the Holy Spirit of God that we would be changed We would just see a little bit, a glimpse today of what we've been given in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' holy name, I pray this. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And thank you for your attention to the Word of God. Peter, of course, is writing to those who have been scattered abroad uh, uh, by persecution in the early days of the church. And he's writing to uh, specifically those who were scattered from Jerusalem and given the message to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And, and I know your pastor has looked at this. And of course, in the first part of Acts, Jesus told the disciples to do that. And it seemed like they clung to Jerusalem. And so uh, persecution came and they were dispersed. And he's writing this. And, and uh, there are many different... Uh, opinions on who, to whom he's writing it but we know that Peter was given the the ministry unto the circumcision so certainly he's writing to the Jewish believers that have been scattered but there are also Gentile believers in these places and primarily Gentile believers so we can honestly look at this and say he's writing this to the people who were believers in Jesus Christ at the time of the persecution and they were dispersed. And certainly they didn't understand. I mean, they had been saved. Wouldn't it be a a bummer if something came in here and dispersed you from Sydney? Maybe you've lived here all your life and suddenly you find yourself under persecution. You have to move away. Uh, I know the class that that the pastor has downstairs... Uh, he was talking about the believers in Iraq that have been moved around and had... I mean, it's real stuff that's happening here. And we're going to look at that in this study this week by the grace of God. We're going to look at that truth. But the point is not to whom he is writing, which, except for this one point, that these were believers. Amen. He's not writing this to, to the world. He's not writing this to general people who say they believe. These are believers. How do you know? Because he says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ means that they had accepted the free gift that Romans chapter 5 talks about. They had accepted the gift of Jesus Christ. They They had accepted the work that was done on the cross, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and they had accepted that He had risen from the dead. So they were believers of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were believers that had, let's say, a foundation that they could cling to. If you hear this more, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's going to be hard to maintain or to walk in any kind of spiritual walk because you're not really given to a spiritual life because you've not received the Spirit of God Unless you're saved. And that's what the Bible tells us. But so we've determined that he's writing to those who are under persecution, which most of us aren't. So we could say, well, I'm not. This doesn't appeal. uh, uh, You know, this doesn't uh, isn't applying to me. But there is something that he identifies here. And that is those who've accepted Jesus Christ, those who have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. uh, These are the people that he's writing to. Now, it's interesting To me, as he writes these words and he gets down there in verse number three, which is the, I guess, jumping off point for this message is that they've been begotten. He says, and mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This lively hope that we have. And and I want to spend just a little time introducing the thought that really jumped out at me here. I, I preach in a lot of youth camps and, and do a lot of uh, youth rallies and youth uh, conferences, and and have been God has given me the opportunity and privilege to preach at these places. And one of the things that I find that's common, and I spoke about this downstairs, and I know no one knew that this was going to be in my notes because I usually don't know what's in my notes. But um, so how could you know? Anyway, um, the thing that that I'm asked most often is why. Do my parents do something different away from church than they do at church? Why are they one way here? And, and, and I've heard many, many testimonies, and I'm not going to go into the testimonies, but certainly they're heart-wrenching. Uh, a per, a, one of the young people might say, my mom and dad, uh, they act like they love the pastor at church, but when they get home, they, they fillet him. They, they, have, they have pastor for lunch. And I don't mean invite him. I mean they chew him up and spit him out. You may not know, but your kids are listening. They're paying attention. And so as I desired to find an answer, why are people this way? I came to a conclusion, and it's simply this. We say we believe a lot of things, but do we really believe that Jesus Christ is alive and that we have a lively hope that's working in us? I'm convinced that people get saved and they really... I I don't think any Christian sets out to be a horrible Christian. I I want to be a horrible Christian. Anybody want to join me in the horrible Christian class? We're going to learn how to be wicked. Well, nobody needs a class like that. We're already wicked. we are That's who's? Josh's class. Okay. Um, I don't know Josh, but evidently he's wicked and is a a leader of wickedness. So... uh, but you only, you only follow the leadership that you've been given. And so, um, so, bro, Josh, blamed the preacher. But uh, the truth is we don't need a class in how to be wicked. Does anybody in here need a class to be wicked? I mean, there's not a person, very many people. I, I know there are good people here. Come on, you're good. But there are not a lot of people who can say, I've been perfect all my life. I've, I've really got to... We haven't. And so when when we accept Jesus Christ... I don't think we recognize that there's a work that begins in us at that point that isn't just waiting for us to be redeemed out of this world or to, you know, be raptured out and finally I won't be wicked. There's a process that's going on in us that, and, and must start with the premise that the one working in us is truly alive. This is a lively hope that we have. It is not just a practice that we do. And I'm sad to say that so many people got caught up, have been caught up in the fact that everything we've done for how many ever centuries or whatever or or thousands of years is a practice that we follow that they disallow the work that God is doing because Jesus Christ is alive. If this was, uh, if this was another religious belief, Jesus Christ Uh, and Jesus Christ would not be the thrust and the main theme of redemption, then we could say if we were uh, celebrating Buddha, he's dead. He's not alive. They worship his toes in places. They have temples built around a toe. It could be anybody's toe, but they say it's Buddha's. I mean, come on, that's a dead religion. Who wants to worship a toe? Think about it. Yes, I went to the toe temple of Buddha. (laughs) Pilgrimage and all. That doesn't sound like a lively hope. At all. But you can know according to the Bible that Jesus Christ rose the third day according to the scriptures. There's a difference there. I don't worship a toe or a the Shroud of Turin. I don't. I worship Jesus Christ who is risen from the dead. Amen. If that is true, and interestingly, uh, I don't, and I'm sure again that you understand this, but you may not, so let me just say. If you read Acts and the messages the apostles preached, they did preach the death and burial of Jesus Christ, but the big point. In their messages, and the thing that drove them was that Jesus rose from the dead. So many times we get caught up. I mean, come on, my hope cannot be in politics. I don't care what political side you like, take, independent, Democrat, uh, Republican. I, I really don't care what your political affiliation is. There's no hope there, it's disappointing. And we elected this guy. He's going to fix everything. Uh, two years down the road, you go, fix? He messed up everything. And it doesn't matter what party you're affiliated with. Come on, if your hope is in a party, it's not a lively hope. Right. It's not a realistic hope. <laughs> if your hope is in your family, families disappoint. I love my children. I love them. I love my wife. I certainly do. But they're human beings. And there's an ability for them to disappoint me because it's not really a lively hope to be placed. My hope should not be placed there. This lively hope that he speaks of is a life-changing hope. It's a hope that puts me on a different level of life. And and he spells it out right here in the scriptures. First of all, in verse number two, he says, through sanctification, Sanctification of the Spirit, this this hope that we have is a right now hope. It's a hope that we're not only waiting on, which is a great hope, but it's a hope that is working in us right now. A process of sanctification. It is a process that the unsaved do not have. Here's the beautiful thing about this section of Scripture. I cannot sanctify myself. So no good that I do will make me more acceptable to God. Because my righteousnesses are as filthy rags. But as the Holy Spirit works in me and sanctifies me, not only at the point of salvation where immediately I'm ripped away from the old man, the dead man, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And in uh, Romans chapter number six, the Bible says we're dead to sin. We're freed from sin. So that old man is buried in the likeness, buried in Christ, immersed into Christ. That old man is gone, and the Holy Spirit of God seals me until the day of redemption, creating in me the ability to respond in freedom to God's direction in the Word of God. I can't do it, though. So... Every time I would do good, I find that there is a law. Evil is present with me because my flesh is evil. So what do I depend on? You know why Christians are disappointed today and discouraged? Because they're trying to do the work of the scriptures and the Holy Spirit work that only the Holy Spirit of God can do in us. So all the time we're kicking ourselves. Oh, I'm such a horrible person. I'm such an ugly person. I'm such a mean person. Why am I this way? Because you like the things of the flesh. You're given to them. Why? Go like this. Come on. (laughs) Thank you. That lady did that. She was right up. Most of you are going, I ain't doing nothing. (laughs) You're an idiot. (laughs) Sounds like my wife. Um, But, (laughs) come back. Now my wife's in my head speaking. Focus, focus. Okay, so, Tyler, get out of there. All right, sorry. I was distracted. So this, Sanctification, he says, is unto obedience. See, it's the blood of Jesus Christ that makes us acceptable to God. Nothing that we do. Amen. And, and I'm afraid, I'm very sad to say that young people and, and, and folks of middle age and folks, young married people and, and even older Christians are so disappointed that they live in this world and that and that, that doesn't seem like anything is moving or changing in me, but see whether you know it or not or whether you like it or not, once you accept Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God does begin to do a work in you. Let me ask you this. I love to do this to encourage people. When you look back on your life before you were saved, just look back three or four years. Do you feel the same way about certain things that you used to? For instance, like let's say that at one time you were given over to... uh, to non tithing let 's say that you didn 't believe in it, but now you look back on it and say well i 've always tithed, thinking that that 's just what I do. Are there things in your life that somebody might say you might be you might used to have been a drinker, and you say well i don't drink well why don 't you drink well come on, do you remember the time where God said and and worked in your life where you just it, A lot of people don't have, I don't have moments where I go, this is where God took this away. It's usually sometime I'm looking back and I'm going, when did I decide that that was wrong to do? You know why? It's the whole, when the Holy Spirit does the work in me and is sanctifying me and separating me and moving, me, what happens is I just become obedient to the scriptures and it's not usually a big red letter banner day in my life. Not every sin I've given up Can I go back to and say, that was the day that I decided that I was not going to do X? I usually look back and go, that is amazing. I don't think like this anymore. (laughs) Brother Jim and I were talking about this uh, coming back from Indianapolis. Uh, Just things that we used to think were okay that now we... Even preaching how the Holy Spirit of God changes in you the things that you understand of God. It's a growing process. You know, there's so many people that expect, well, this person got saved, and so I expect them to be in this box. One of the things that I, you know, we live in Kansas, and Kansas is kind of in the Bible belt, so to speak. It's, it's, I don't know where the belt is exactly. You know, they, well, anyway, I've always believed a belt was to hold pants up, but the, there's a Bible belt there and, and we're supposedly in the Bible belt. And certainly there's a, there are, there's a movement, there's a group of people that are independent Baptists that believe that if you're going to come to church, you've got to look like, smell like, have your hair like, da-da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da. Do you know what? If God does the work in you and you move in that direction, it will last a lot longer than if someone legislates that to you. And Peter wanted them to know... The Holy Spirit of God is working in you. This is the hope that you have. You're not going to remain the same, although you think you may still be the same. God is working in you to sanctify you by obedience. And then he says this, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Grace and peace are often together in the Scriptures and are only by having peace with God through the blood of Jesus Christ, having experienced His grace. You cannot have peace with God in your works. You and I cannot have peace of God in presenting ourselves and making ourselves presentable unto God. Why was that necessary for him to write? Well, as you know uh, or may not know, there was a strong movement in the Judaizers that they were promoting a lifestyle that said, if you're going to be of Christ, you also have to do these things that the Jews have done and you have to participate in in their type of worship and their type of separation. And so he's saying to them, the grace and peace, the the peace that's multiplied unto you is because of the grace of God, which is multiplied unto you by the blood of Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus Christ is the only only place to obtain the grace and peace. There's no grace and peace in the world. Jesus told the disciples, my joy I leave with you. Not uh, giveth I unto you, not as the world giveth, giveth I unto you. See, the the joy and the peace that we've been given of Jesus Christ is not like the world. And and as we get into this a little bit later, you're going to go, oh, I see why that was necessary to say. He goes on and he says, because of this sprinkling, because of this this, uh, relationship with God and Jesus Christ... We're freed from sin that condemns, according to First uh, Corinthians 15. The Bible tells us that uh, because of the gospel that was preached, there was a freedom. And because of that freedom, we understand that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And that fact that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead gives me a hope beyond this world. It's a freedom to hope beyond any hope that I can muster up in the world. It's a freedom that is founded in the resurrection of Jesus Christ according to 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. We're set on a course we we are living this out. Let's let's turn to 2 Thessalonians. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2 verse number 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto, whereunto He called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or epistle. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace... Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. He says, when you accepted Christ, you became elect. And when you became elect, you entered into a relationship that extends to you as the word works in you. A good word and good work that continues to work in you, which gives you hope in the fact that I don't have to do this work of sanctification. It's already done. I simply obey the Scriptures. Amen. Uh, if you've ever heard anybody talk about wanting to be saved and they want to be a better person before they want... There's some things I need to get right. It, it's okay for you to look at them and say, because this is true, God wants you how you are. He just wants you to admit how you are. Amen. That's all. He doesn't want you to change. He'll take care of sanctifying you. Uh, This may not be a big deal to you, but the the biggest fight young people have, and I believe Christians have, is this discouragement with their inability to live up to God's standards. Hey, God doesn't expect you to live up to his standards. He's going to live you up to his standards. He's going to bring you to his standards. I'm not talking about... Lack of separation. The Bible still says, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about we don't have to do the work to get there. It's actually being done in us, even right now, by listening to the word of God. Amen. Don't, when you see some Christian that is not living up to your ability or spiritual understanding, don't belittle them pray for them, and ask God to continue to do the work in them that they will come to the, the level and the position of just obeying. Because I'm going to tell you, one time you weren't as sanctified as you are now. We are so quick to judge others because they're not at our level. You know what my hope is? I can look at, and I'm not saying this trying to be funny, although it'll probably come off anyway I'm not looking at well brother Jim altar sets the standard and if I'm not at that standard I'm so horrible and I'm not as good as he is (laughs) because I'll assure you there are people in this church that brother Jim would go I'm not even up to their spiritual standard you know what I have hope in Brother Jim has gotten there by obedience, and if I'll just simply obey and allow God to continue to do the work of sanctification in me and continue to move me and separate me unto himself, it's such a hallelujah. I, Jim Alter's not the standard. Ron Jones is not the standard. You are not the standard. But people can move to the sanctification of the Spirit, not by Ron Jones, not by the power of any church but by the power of God through the word of God and the working of the Holy Spirit, bringing that person to a further fellowship, walking with Christ by obedience. Because not all of us are at the same level spiritually. You know what my hope is? It doesn't depend on me. I am being sanctified even right now preaching this message because if I don't preach this message and hear this message, I'm losing an opportunity to be obedient to the Scriptures. Why do you think preaching is so necessary for those who believe? If you read the writings of Peter or of Paul, if you read these writings, you know what they're doing? They're encouraging us to surrender and obey the Spirit of God who is working in us, leading us in all truth. Watch the development of the apostles as they move through the book of Acts. Look at the maturity of the church as you move through the book of Acts. Who's doing that work? Was it men? No the same Holy Spirit of God that was given to them at Pentecost and descended upon them and caused them to have power is the exact same Holy Spirit of God that indwells you and I at salvation. And there's your grace and peace. I'm not in a war against my flesh. My spirit is at war against my flesh. Why? Because you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. So the work that's going on in me I'm not I'm not fighting it on my own. That's right. I, I don't have to be. I, if I was fighting it on my own, I'd be down on myself all the time. I'd be looking at other churches, judging them. I'd be looking at people in church, judging them. But the truth is, God's working in all of us as soon as we accept Jesus Christ. The question is, are we in obedience to the way that He's working? Are we simply yielding? To what it is that he desires for us. Not only is this a right now hope. That it's changing me. But it's a forever hope. It's a, it's a hope that doesn't stop here. You know have you ever said. Uh, have you ever heard somebody say this. I hope I'm going to heaven. Yeah. You know people who are really saved. Well you don't say that. Because it's not a hope so hope. It's a no so hope. That's right, right. It's a my hope is in the Lord. My hope is in the fact that the word of God is true. And this is what he said. And this is, I don't have any other hope. Well, I, I, you deal with kids sometimes. and They'll say, well, my mom and dad said I got saved when I was five. Do you know, mom and dad, you're not the hope for your child. If they come to you and say, I'm not sure I'm saved. Then you need to ask them why they think they're not saved. You need to help them to understand the hope is not in what I tell you. If your hope is an eternal hope, a hope like in verse number four, it says uh, verse number three, latter part says, hath begotten us again to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. Right now, I cannot see my hope. I, my hope, my knowledge is that one day I am going to be in heaven. Why? Because the Bible tells me that. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. My hope is that Jesus Christ will soon return. My hope is that if I die to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. My hope is not built on anything in this world. It's attached to... The things that fade not away. The things, the place, Paul said it like this. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. My hope is not in anything in this world. Not in my job, not in my family, not in my car, not in my uh, position at work. Not in my finances. My hope is in things that fadeth not away. It's said of the Apostle Paul especially that the closer he got to the end of his life, the more he began to live for the hope that was before him out here. The heavenly hope rather than the things that were his driving force in reaching the people with the gospel. Not that he didn't, but that began to be his driving force. He knew that the things that he had accomplished in this life, he had fought the good fight. He had finished his course. He had kept his faith. Why did he know that? Because he looked at the things that were laid up in store for him. Let's go very quickly to the book of Ephesians. People say that Peter and Paul's messages were not compatible. I beg to differ. In fact, Peter will say that they were. Right. So there's no sense in us even guessing because the Bible says that they will. Yeah. Verse, number two, uh, verse number one of chapter number two. And you, the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. That's that. Remember, we're talking about we used to be or what I used to be. We all had that. That's exactly what he says. There's, the comparison is that we've accepted Christ and have been obedient to the Spirit's direction according to the Word of God. But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherein, wherewith He loved us, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Did you see that he says, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus? When your mind is in heavenly places, you're considering the lively hope. Why do I have a lively hope? Is it because I just hope in heaven? No, no, no. If Jesus wasn't in heaven, if he's not in their flesh and bone right now, alive, I have no hope. That's right. now, why is that significant? I think it's significant because we don't act like Jesus is alive, actually, right now in heaven. I, I had a person come to me after I made that statement that Jesus Christ is alive bodily. Please listen to me bodily. He's not a spirit going. <laughs> it was my operatic training. Uh, anyway, uh, he's not sitting up there going. He's not floating. The Holy Spirit's not floating in here. Looking. You know what He's doing? He's in you, speaking. Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father making intercession. How do you know that? That's what the Bible says. When my mind is in heavenly places, I realize something. My hope is an eternal hope. What does that do for me? Honestly, it's helped me not to be discouraged. Because i got to tell you, in this world, not a lot of hope. I look at Christians today. There's not a, ho- a lot of hope there people. I look at some preacher friends. There's no hope there. But glory to God, Jesus Christ is alive right now at the hand of the right hand of the Father making intercession for me in the body. He's a body. That's right. Right now. When he ascended in heaven, what made them stand there and be so amazed in Acts chapter number 1 was Jesus Christ floated up to heaven, disappeared in the clouds, and He was a body because He had eaten with them. They had seen Him. They had touched Him. This wasn't some kind of, uh, some kind of vision that they had. They saw Jesus Christ go back to where He came from like He told them that He would. So they're standing there going like this. Go, only! <laughs> Did you see that? We all we see, that's the way I think when I read. Because I see these angels, two in white, come and and they say, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing here up into the heavens? It was almost like they say, Didn't you listen to his words? Jesus Christ is alive. Christian, listen to his word. Listen to his word. We have a lively hope. This is not just something we do. We do it because our Savior is alive. And don't just say amen because you've been taught that. Say amen because you know that. Live your life because He's alive. There's no hope in death. But I don't fear death. Why do you not fear death? Well, because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth me shall never die. Here's the question. Believest thou this? That belief is what drives us in the lively hope. I don't serve a dead, buried Savior. He's alive! He doesn't want this trunk or treat you have coming up. The... The... uh, Activities that you do here at the church and trying to reach people. Reaching Jerusalem. Man camp. Gutting things. I like that. Just gut it. Boys, look at this. Just get your hand full of guts. Sorry. When he told me that, I was like, yes! Somebody teaching the boys to like that stuff! I love the, just the name of it, man camp. It just excludes women right away. There's no voting. No, it's man camp. I'm sorry. I mean, the qualification is that you're a man, not even that you have facial hair. You know what I'm talking about? So uh, you'll get that later and go, wow, that was cold. Um, the truth is that we don't do these things just to do them. Brother Jim gets excited about talking about it. You know why? Because the effect of these things is based in this truth that Jesus Christ is alive and we're not just doing this to do it. We're doing this to introduce people to Jesus Christ. Witnessing? What are you doing? Look, don't look at witnessing as a labor. Look at it as a blessing to be able to tell people, "I have the answer. He's alive." I'm not telling you about some dude we're worshiping because he's dead. And listen, I know we're 2,000 years removed from all of this, and sometimes we get weary about it. And and many people will say, Well, I only, if if," Christians say this, Well, Jesus came to me and moved on my heart. All you need to do is read the Word of God and just believe what it says. He's alive. God gave us His Word and preserved His Word so that we would know we serve a risen Savior. He, He lives in heaven and because he lives i too shall live i love the fact that this lively hope is not based in a movement it's not it's not based in a movement it's based in a real savior now let me tell you the people who proclaim that truth since the beginning baptists they've always we've always held to this idea I was at a Baptist church in Anchorage and they had a assembly of God preacher. And the only thing I thought, I wasn't mad. I just thought this, is there not a Baptist preacher who could preach the word of God, which that guy, he just shared. But is there not a person who really believes it? Please listen to me. It's sad that we have to go outside of our ranks to see people that actually believe that Jesus is alive. It's sad to me. Since Jesus is alive, it's a forever hope. He's he's not dead. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. What does that mean for those who believe in him? I have a home in heaven. It says right there. It's reserved. It's got my name on it. I'm not living for something reserved for me down here. Don't you love to go to a restaurant where they take a reservation? Very exclusive restaurant. Others have not been smart enough to get reservations. You walk in and say, Ron Jones. Uh-oh. <laughs> party of four. There's people that are party of two, they haven't gotten a seat. They're party one, but you have reservations. They're ready for you. You walk in, you go, What's up? Sorry you guys didn't get reservations Le- That table right over there It's even got my name on it When I walked into a restaurant like that I've only been to one They had my name on it <laughs> That's what makes the story great Because um, <laughs> I couldn't afford to ever go back But I walked in They had my name on the table Now I don't care who you are You can be, you know, you're impressed when you see your name on the table in a highfalutin restaurant. You you say, well, I'm not easily impressed. The only reason I was impressed, I was thought, I mean, they really reserved this. It wasn't just like, well, if he shows up, they called me the day before and said, Mr. Jones, we're just confirming your reservations. I was like, wow. Do you know every time that we open the Word of God, you can hear this, I'm just confirming your reservation. Just wanted you to know there's a reservation for you. It's a lively hope. This isn't just something we do. Then verse number 5, I want you to listen to this. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Let's just... I want to read these verses because they're very important. Jude 24... says this now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Did you see who is able to keep you from falling? Not you. He is. Did you see who is able to present you faultless? Not you. He is. I want you to look at Titus. Titus chapter number 3. I love to hear those Bible pages turning. What a blessing. Titus chapter number 3. Verse number 5. Many of us know this. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. By the washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified, please listen to this, by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying and these things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. The good good works that I would even do are maintained and given to me and directed to me by the gift of the Holy Spirit of God. Finally, in John, John chapter number 10, Verse number 27, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall, what's that word right there? Hallelujah. Never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. You know, you can't even pluck yourself out of Jesus' hand who is in the Father's hand. Wow. Wow. What an everlasting eternal hope that should drive me every time I read this, hear it preached, to hear these words. Your reservation has been confirmed. You know the only person who can confirm your reservation? A living, risen again Savior. Why is this hope so important? Because in the, tr- in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, Jesus told the disciples. When you hear the song, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. They really are. It's not just a song. When we were hearing, hearing, uh, singing, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the one I love. Here's my heart, O take and seal it. Seal it for what? Thy courts above. Not for anything the earth can offer. Your reservation is confirmed every time you as a believer hear the word of God. We we have your reservation. You, You will be coming because you've accepted the invitation, the gift. Don't worry about being presentable. We'll take care of that. We've done that. Jesus Christ has made you presentable. Don't worry about living up to some kind of expectation. Your place is already reserved. Why? Because of the grace and blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, by the way, He's here making intercession for you. And just so you know, your reservation is confirmed. Folks, we ought to live that way. Amen. We're not just people who do things because we've been instructed to do them. We should do them because we've been begotten unto a lively hope. Do you live that way? Do you live like you really have a lively hope? It's so much better than living for anything in this world. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around.